Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel 3. As we've already mentioned, we have kind of an emphasis on kids today, and that is because on the fifth Sunday, when there is a fifth Sunday, our older kids in children's church stay in with us, and we try to uh, do a few things to uh, orient toward them. So I'm going to preach to the kids today. Uh, if you're a kid, this sermon is for you. It's called How to Have a Great Summer, and the rest of you can listen if you want. And if you don't, I'm going to give the, permission, the kids permission to spank you, to give you one of those and say, pay attention. I get to do one of my favorite things this week, which is go to camp. I haven't been to camp for a week of camp for quite a while. When I was a kid, first time I went to camp was when I was in maybe second or third grade, and I didn't go as a camper, but I went with my dad. He was either the speaker or something at a place called Lost Lake. And it's called Lost Lake because it should have been lost a long time ago. <laughs> but I was in second or third grade, so it was just a great adventure to me. I've been back since then. That's how I know what a place is really like. But then in the summer before sixth grade, I started going to Camp Gilead, and I've been going most of the years since then for one thing or another. Missed a couple of years while I was in college. But that first year that I went to Camp Gilead, I made a friend who is still my friend. He lives in the county here, and uh, we have done both ministry and business together over the years, and uh, he's a, a great friend, and I'm thankful to the camp for that. A couple more years later, when I was in junior high, I got to be staff at camp, which back then we called KP, which stands for Kitchen Patrol. All of you that were in the military understand that, perhaps. And all we had to do was wash dishes and kind of set up and clean up and that kind of thing. And the rest of the time, we could do whatever we wanted with no supervision at all. Oh, yeah, we would go down and turn the lights on and go swimming at night when everybody else was in bed. Oh, yeah, we just we had the run of the place. It was awesome. Um, going to camp is a great way to spend a week of your summer. I highly recommend it. I think what really what uh, Ryan described in terms of ministry is exactly what goes on at Camp Gilead, just with different settings and different kinds of activities. It's a great place for your kids to spend a week. But it, that's only one week of the summer, so what are you going to do the rest of the summer? I want to talk about some things that may help you the rest of the summer, give you some ideas about how to have a great summer. And I want to start in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm not sure if I said chapter 3 or not, but 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, a little background, especially for you kids, if you don't remember all the story, but Samuel's mom prayed for a son, and she told God, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. So at a very young age, an unusually young age, he went to the tabernacle of God to be a servant of God. It, you know, it would be like going to live with a different family. You know, uh, the priest was there uh, who was in charge, and he sort of became his grandfather or his dad or whatever. And uh, so Samuel is there as a very young child, maybe four, five, six years old when this happened. And, and here's what we read about Samuel starting in chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. What that means is he was Eli's helper. When Eli said, will you get this? Will you do that? Will you set this up? That's what he did. He ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord 
the word of the Lord, the spoken word of God was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. In other words, it wasn't common for God to come and talk and give his truth to people. They had the law, the, what we would call the first five books. Well, they didn't even have all of that, but they had part of that at that time. Verse 2. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli the priest was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. He's an old man. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark was, and while Samuel, the boy Samuel, was lying down, that the Lord called, Samuel! And Samuel said, Here I am! And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Go lie down. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel! So Samuel arose and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am. He was a very obedient helper. Here I am, for you called me. And Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He didn't didn't recognize God's voice. He did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. In other words, God hadn't come and spoken to him. Later in his life, God would do that. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and he went to Eli and he said, I'm sure they were both getting a little frustrated at this point. Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived, Eli the priest, he perceived it must be the Lord calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, imagine if you're a little boy like Nathan and you hear God talking to you right, out of, right into your ear out of nowhere. How incredible would that be? And the Lord said, Samuel, I'm going to do something in Israel at which both the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And he goes on to tell him what he's going to do. I mean, the, the Lord said, Samuel, I am telling you something that when people hear it, they're going to go, whoa. Now, here's the, the lesson that I want to challenge you with kids, okay? Wouldn't hurt your parents too much, but... You want to have a great summer? Listen to God. Listen to God. Samuel didn't have the Bible like this. Samuel didn't have any book. Samuel probably didn't even know how to read because he was a little kid and people didn't teach them in the same way that they do now. Now, Eli would have had, um, you know, what we call a scroll, you know, something all rolled up like that and it would have had the Old Testament law on it. But that would have been only for Eli and and uh, Samuel would have had no access to it, and so he didn't have God's word. He didn't have the Bible like this, and he had never heard God talk, so he didn't know what he was hearing, and he needed to learn to recognize God's voice. 
he needed to learn to recognize God's voice. Now, you all know I have nearly the best grandchildren anywhere. But the littlest one, Titus, doesn't like me. He has a real problem. He is really messed up because <laughs> he does not understand my greatness. When, you know, he, he'll, he's kind of, huh, and I'm, I'm going like this, and he's going, whoa, get away from me. And he pulls into his mama or his grandmother, of course. Everybody loves her. He doesn't know I'm the guy with the car with backseat windows that roll all the way down. Oh, yeah, you push the button and they go down. It's awesome. He doesn't know I'm the guy, the grandfather, who takes his grandkids to McDonald's. Or that I'm the guy with the candy bowl in my office. Even Tim Blecka knows that. (laughs) He doesn't know. He doesn't know that I love him and want the best for him because he doesn't recognize me yet. Kids, this is God's word. God has spoken to you because he loves you and wants the best for you. And so you need to listen to it. You need to let it come in, and you need to learn to recognize God speaking by reading God's word, by hearing God's word, by being around God's word. What are some of the ways you can spend time listening to God this summer? Well, if you can read, then you should be making a plan to read your Bible. Pick a book like the Gospel of John Ask your parents, if if your parents won't get you a children's Bible, you come and see me, and I'll talk to them. (laughs) We've probably got children's Bibles in the the library, for all I know. Um, I mean, make a plan. Parents, this is important for you. Your kids need to learn to recognize God's voice. That's more important than for them to recognize your voice. You need to help them learn to read the Bible and hear God talking. Kids, ask your parents to help you if you need help. If you don't understand what you read, ask them to explain it. And if they need help, I'll help you both. Make sure you're in Sunday school. Here's a great one. Review your Awana book and not to get a patch or a pin. Just say, you know, I I learned a whole bunch of Bible verses. Now I'm going to get them out and I'm just going to listen to God talking. And I'm going to review these verses. Parents, grandparents, make this a priority. Find a way. Don't let your kids grow up not knowing how to hear God's voice. Number two, obey. Ah, boy, you you kids knew I was going to have to say that, didn't you? Turn with me to Matthew 6, though. I don't want to talk about obeying as much as I want to talk about a really good reason to obey. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 says, children obey your parents and the Lord, for it is right. And that's good. And it's good for kids to obey. But kids, I want to give you a selfish reason to obey. And here's what I mean by that. I have found in God's word that God often gives us promises attached to his commands, and those promises are really great. And so we obey the command in order to get what God has promised to us, and one of those is in Matthew 6, uh, starting in verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, 
What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Jesus has been talking to interested listeners. They weren't really disciples yet. And he's talking to them about how they're going to live their life. And he says, don't spend your life invested in in worrying all the time about what you eat or drink or wear. Verse 32, for people who don't know the Lord seek these things. Their life is oriented to get these things. And here's the cool thing. Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Your heavenly Father knows everything you need, kids. He knows you need to eat. He knows you need to sleep, to have a place, a roof over your head. He knows the help you need at school. He knows you know how hard it is to get along he he knows everything that you need your heavenly father knows and so here is the cool thing that's coming verse 33 what you should do instead of chasing after the stuff of life you should chase after god's kingdom of obedience or, or excuse me seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God makes it very clear that we, he knows what we need. He knows what we need to eat and drink, the fun that we need to have, the love that we need. But here's the thing. In these verses, what does he tell us to do to get the stuff we need. Does he say you should whine? Oh, man. Let off a big old whine on your parents when they won't do what you want them to do, and then good stuff will happen. No? Does he say you should complain about what they do? Throw a fit. Fall on the floor. Bang your little legs up and down. Cry. You know, moms and dads, adults do those things too, don't they? They're just more sophisticated about the way they do them. We should obey today so we can be at peace about tomorrow. We should obey today so that God will take care of us. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously for Him And don't worry about the things you say, oh, I'm going to have to have this, I'm going to have to have that. No, you obey today. And so the question we need to ask every day is this, what does God want me to do today? What does God want me to do today? For me, if it's Sunday, God wants me right here. Unless it's a vacation day. This is is my assignment. This is my obedience. I can worry about what I'm going to preach next week, or I could say, I'm going to be here today and speak God's truth, and when I come into the office on Tuesday, God's going to help me to be ready for next week. God wants me to do this today. And that's why I use the word obey on this point for children. I know this is an an oversimplification, but what is the number one thing that children are supposed to do every day? It's to obey. Now, I didn't enjoy obeying my parents all the time. Sorry, Mom. (laughs) Well, I wasn't sure how much of that you've forgotten, you know. 
<laughs> but it still is the number one thing God says you're supposed to do. But here's the blessing. If you obey today, God's at work taking care of your needs and your tomorrows. Now I'm going to really get to meddling. What's the number one thing that a wife is supposed to do every day? Follow her husband's lead. What's the number one thing that a husband and father is supposed to do every day? Give godly leadership to his family. And then we can look at every other duty that God has given us. When I go to work, what is the number one thing I am supposed to do at work? I am supposed to do a good job to honor the Lord. And then God will meet my needs and he will take care of my tomorrow. Kids, if you want to get the stuff you need, do what God tells you to do. Because it unleashes God on your world. Everyday obedience is the key to peace. It's the key to having our needs met. Listen, obey, and then pray. Kids, how much are you supposed to pray? How much? How long? Five minutes a day? Every time it's a meal? How long? I'll tell you how long. I know how long you're supposed to pray. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about the problems in your life. But instead of worrying, pray about everything. So the, the answer is this. When you have prayed about every concern you have, you've prayed enough. Okay? God doesn't put a time limit so you, you should pray 10 minutes. That's why in the New Testament, he doesn't say you should give 10%. He says you should just use your money for me. And he says when it comes to praying, you should just unburden your heart to me. Kids, I have no doubt that you have concerns. You have burdens on your heart. Um, some of them are, are, are things that the Lord uh, may take away and may replace your concerns. Some of the things need to be answered. You may have difficulties nobody knows about. God wants to meet the burdens of your heart. And the result of all of that prayer, again, is peace. God is going to give us peace. Kids, let me give you some ideas about things you should pray about. I don't think I put these up here. There it is, my prayer list. My family members. You ought to pray for everybody in your family. You ought to pray for your brother. He's kind of mean, he's goofy, he's got boy cooties. Pray for him. You ought to pray for your sister. She takes too long in the bathroom. You ought to pray for him. In other words... Whatever is a concern to you should be an issue of prayer. Now, maybe in time as you grow, some of those concerns you'll let go of, but other ones you won't. You ought to pray for your family members. You ought to pray that they will believe in Christ as their Savior, that they'll obey Him, that they'll walk with Him. If your family walks with Christ, you're going to have a good time, frankly. You ought to pray for your family members. You ought to pray for your Sunday school teacher. Your Sunday school teacher needs to teach you the truth and so you need to pray for him. You need to pray for your pastor. Pray that at least on a fifth Sunday, he'll, he'll write a sermon that's good for you and that he'll speak the truth the rest of the time. You ought to pray for your Awana leader. You ought to pray for Mr. Erickson and Mrs. Anderson as they plan things and, and, and uh, organize the club. And you ought to pray about anything that concerns you. Do you need help in school? 
Do you need some new shoes? Do you need help making friends? Then pray. Moms and dads, we need to help our kids learn to pray by asking them if they've prayed about things. Have you ever said that when Johnny comes whining? Have you ever said, did you pray about it, Johnny? Is that a regular part of your conversation? Maybe that's a way we can help them learn. Well, here's a better one, kids. We need to listen, obey, pray, and play. Play. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Did you know that the Bible says you should play? Can you believe that? Is that possible? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profits a little. Now, I know the rest of the verse says godliness is profitable for all. In fact, Marion, that's the verse. I think we talked about that this morning. I couldn't remember the, I couldn't cite it all the way, but there it is. For, God, for bodily exercise profits little. Did you know that playing is godly? Now, I'm talking about the kind of playing that's run around, ride your bike, monkey bars and swing sets, baseballs and swimming and so on. And not so much video games, you know. You play video games. But playing. Did you know that God wants you to take care of your body? That it is a righteous thing to care for your body because it's how you live for him. It's how you serve him. That's what this verse is about. Do you not know that your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You should do what it takes to keep your body in good shape for God. It's how you serve the Lord. That's the standard. The standard, uh, by the way, parents, and moms and dads, uh, men and women, the standard is not thinness. The standard is not what our culture says. The standard is fitness. It's fitness for duty. Um, I believe in the military there are fitness standards, and you have to, you have to live up to them. Even chaplains have to. Fitness for duty. If you can... It's great to get in some organized things, be on a team, take a class, do what you can. But playing is good, and and we ought to encourage our kids to do it. Number five, I'm going back to the bad list. Sorry, kids. Work. You ought to work. Now, that sounds even worse than obeying, but it's actually a really cool thing. Let me try to explain to you why, why it's a cool thing. Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And then God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Did you know that Adam didn't have a recliner? Did you know that God created Adam and Eve to be productive? I don't want to use the word work, because I don't, sometimes we associate work with drudgery or with a job or something like that. It's broader than that. God created Adam and Eve to be productive. Now, if they had had children before sin entered the world, would there have been effort to expend 
Or would Adam and Eve have birthed a child and then sat in the recliner and watched that child raise himself? See, we, don't, we, we haven't thought enough to say, wow, God intended for them to sort of to be busy with the normal productivity of life. Have a child, have multiple children, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. They lived a thousand years, even with sin's impact. Think if they hadn't, all, well, we are all their descendants, but they could have had a family reunion with everybody there. Everybody. But also, and, and we don't know exactly what did God intend when he said have dominion, over the birds, over every living thing. The one thing that we see specifically is Adam named all the animals. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how much effort was required. But God intended Adam and Eve to be productive. He didn't intend for them to just lay on the ground and stare at the sky and, and then stare at, you know, whatever and then go to sleep and get up and do it again. There was a productivity to their life. And, and Genesis 2.15 emphasizes that when he said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Now, I don't know how much tending and keeping was needed in a perfect environment with no weeds yet. I don't understand all of that, but there was something productive about it. There was a, there was, if I could put it this way, whatever the good parts of work are today, they were present then. Work was a very good thing until Adam and Eve sinned. And that's when the bad part came in. God created mankind to be productive, and it was good until Adam and Eve sinned. And then this is what happened. God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten, you have disobeyed me. You've eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Here's Here's the pronouncement. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. If you don't know it, moms and dads and boys and girls, work was not hard when God created us. Work became hard as a punishment from God. He said, you're going to eat from all of this that I've created, but it's going to take you great effort or toil and any of you who have had a garden know that you've got to cut those weeds out of there and you've got to do this and that and the other thing. And if you're like me, you still can't grow a garden. It's hard. And when you go to work, everybody who has a job goes to work. And when they come home, they say something like this. You know, if it wasn't for this, I would really enjoy what I do. <laughs> That's the toil. There's toil in everything we do. In fact, if we were to spend time and look at just the fact of having children, God put a curse on Eve, and the curse is pain in childbirth. And so now there's difficulty. There's obviously great joy associated with children, and there's great toil that's associated there as well. But here's the thing, kids. Number one, God intends for all of us to work And so work is still a good thing. And when you're working then, you're doing God's will. And anytime you do God's will, you get God's joy. And so if I could put it this way, that's another selfish reason to do God's will. I want to do what God says 
so that he will take care of me and he will bless me. But I want to go even a little bit farther than that and give you two reasons why you ought to work. And they come from this verse. Two important reasons we ought to work. Ephesians 4. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, work, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Kids, there are things you want, and there are things that you need, and only God knows the difference between those two. But the God-planned way for you to get the things you need is by work. Now, I'm not suggesting that parents ought to make their kids work for every scrap of food they eat and all that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, kids. Someday when you are really old, like me, or kind of old, like your parents, you will be going to work in order to have food to eat. That is God's plan. Or you will have a farm, or you'll have some method to be productive to gain the things that you need. That is God's plan. And so on a smaller scale, it's God's plan for your life right now too. So you say, well, I, you know, I really want this or I really want that. Well, work. Not just because your parents are, are poor or just because they're tight. You know, when my kids got into that the age of dating, I said, I am not paying for your social life. You want to go on a date? It's on you, buddy. Gal, save your money. So a couple of them didn't date much. <laughs> And one of them made eyes at the boys, and they paid for her. <laughs> I don't need to pay for that, and you do need to learn that you are going to have to support yourself. It's a good thing. It's a godly thing. And so ask yourself, if there's stuff I want and I don't have, is there a way I could work? It is God's plan for you to work for the things that you need and for the things that you want. God doesn't say it's wicked to spend money on something you want. But he does say you have to earn that money and you have to be able to afford that thing. And so that's number one. But here's number two. It's the right way to get the things we need. And number two, it is our blessing to be able to help people in need. Now, in, in this verse, he was particularly trying to, to get after some people who didn't work and stole, and obviously he's given a contrast there, but he teaches this principle. You ought to labor working with your hands so that you can have something to give to somebody else. One of the things that's hard to learn as a kid, and I, you know, know whereof I speak, it's hard to learn the blessing of giving something to somebody else. But if you can start to learn it as a young person even, to say, you know, there's a person in need. I'm going to give to that person. That is God's way, and that will bring God's blessing. And so you ought to work not just to have and to save up and to hoard and to get your own stuff, but you ought to do it to work, to give to others. You know, kids, I, I don't know how many of you have like a, some regular job or, a, or a, uh, uh, an allowance or something like that. Maybe you, you know, our kids had to do certain chores and we paid them a little bit because we're trying to teach this whole thing to them. And, but we said 
what I would encourage you parents to say, and I would encourage you kids to say it to yourself. Whenever I earn money, I'm going to give something to the Lord. In other words, uh, and in particular, maybe you'd even think of it this way. Do you know sometimes we have a missionary come here and they talk about their ministry and you think, as a kid, you look at that and go, that is the coolest thing. I love what they're doing. And then you look in your pocket and it looks like that. Man, I wish I could share with them. I wish I could do something. That's one of the reasons to work. And you can go to work thinking, you know, I'm going to have something set aside so that someday when, they come, when that missionary comes, I can help them. Or maybe, there's some, maybe I'll meet a kid at church who's poor and I can help them. Or whatever it is, that is God's way and it brings God's blessing. Well, the last one is this. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Um, when Ephesians chapter 4 says that the body of Christ grows... As every part does its part, it's talking about kids too. Now, it's talking about kids who have believed in Christ as their Savior. I, I understand kids, anybody can serve in the ministry. I get that. But if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, no matter what age you are, you have a spiritual gift, and God has put you into the body of Christ, and you can do something to serve the Lord. One of the things that, frankly, in my opinion, makes our church um, a very good church is that teens and children are a vital part of the ministry. And they aren't doing make work. You know what that is? Make work is when you say, hey, you need a job, dig a hole. And then when you're done, fill it back up. That's make work. We don't do make work in our church. Kids serve here, they serve there. There have been times when there have been little girls down in the nursery taking care of babies. They love them babies. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I know they've... We we try to have an adult in there with them. (laughs) Most of the time. (laughs) Now, and also, lest you think I'm patting myself on the back, I don't have anything to do with any of that. There are many other people in our church who have had the vision to have kids involved in the ministry from little kids all the way right on up. And, and kids, I want you to aspire. I want you to, I want you to look forward to serving the Lord. Um, you know, uh, Ryan said he went to this camp and he saw somebody serving. And he thought, hey, that's really cool. And, and obviously something in him said, well, I, I wonder if I can do that. And he aspired to that. And and, and worked hard, and, and, and the Lord used him. Kids, that's the normal way. That's, that's what I love about Camp Gilead. Kids say, well, I could go down there and wash toilets and dishes and whatnot, and maybe someday I'll be able to do something more significant. And, and we see that. And, and kids, it's so important to serve the Lord. It's, what I love about what we're doing here is that kids think it's normal to serve the Lord. Isn't that a great thought? Moms and dads, it's just as important for kids to learn to serve others both inside and outside the church as it is for them to learn to read. What in the world good is it going to do you to be able to read this but you don't do anything with it? It's all important. We've, all, we've got to learn it all. With all the sunny skies and weather lately, um, a lot of people in the stores have been saying, 
well, you got any plans this weekend? <laughs> See, yeah, I'm going to church. Got to be there, you know. <laughs> got any vacations planned? No, I'm going to camp to speak at camp. But no, um, people are asking, "What are you doing?" The, you know, the, what's your plans, kids? I want to, I want to encourage you to have a plan for the summer. Listen, obey, pray, work, serve, and play. And parents, it's probably not a terrible plan for you either. Let's have a great summer as we follow the Lord together. Father, mm, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for the blessings that come through obeying you and following you and serving you. And, and I just pray those blessings on our kids. I pray that you'll help them to understand your word as I've tried to share it this morning. And I pray that it will uh, find some root in them and... Uh, be an encouragement to them as they head into the summer. Father, I pray for all of us that you'd help us to take these, these simple points of discipleship seriously today and to see what we can do to be moving forward in you. I pray in Christ's name, amen.